1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from the D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, and we're back. We have, uh, I think, consistency now. Two weeks in a row, we're back into the saddle, and we anticipate going through the season. Today, we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers game. They'll be coming into town next Sunday, September 10th at 1 p.m. to Apparshore.
0: I, I think it is Heinz Field at Akersher Stadium now, so I don't know how sacrilegious it is for us to just keep calling it Akersher or to just keep calling it Heinz because it is Akersher. And I did hear TJ Watt the other day on Pat McAfee have to double back from Heinz to Akersher, and, and McAfee, a Pittsburgh native, uh, laughed about that as well. But I guess we will call it Akersher, and that is where the 49ers are coming. And so here's the point of this podcast today. Nick Bosa, the defensive MVP – The TJ Watt over in San Francisco has still not signed a deal and has thus not reported to camp. And this is the best news we can have as Steelers fans. And just to temper that for a second, I do believe Nick Bosa has never played in training camp and still is basically the best defensive player in the league every single year. So this doesn't do anything, but for our psyche as fans, it does quite a bit. Hey, if there is a chance that he misses the first game, the funny thing is that will be massive for the Steelers. You just can't deny what losing a player like that does. But still, even if they lose the defensive MVP in San Francisco, they're still arguably the most talented team in the NFL, even without that guy. Um, So I just... What an awesome week one game for the Steelmen. The only thing that we're missing is having this be a night game. And weirdly it's a 12 o'clock or well for me, it's 12 o'clock for uh, East coast. It's a one o'clock game, but it's in Pittsburgh. Bosa hasn't played for a while. Purdy looked great in the preseason, but he's coming off a major surgery and he's going to have to play a complicated and deep Pittsburgh Steelers rush. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the Eagles and the 49ers are the two most talented teams in the league. It's not even really up for debate. We'll go through their roster for a second here and and sort of show you what that looks like. Um, Plus, they have Kyle Shanahan. And in the last meeting between the Steelmen and the 49ers, I believe that was the game that Minka first played for the Steelers. And I remember telling my buddy who was watching the game with me, okay, yeah, the Steelers got this incredible safety. He was one of the highest-ranked prospects coming out of college in quite some time. This man is Nick Saban's favorite player, whoever played for him. Nick Saban said that out loud for press and for the nation to hear. Like, this guy's a guy. But don't expect too much out of him. He just joined the team this week. And then Minka went out and I think had like two or three interceptions <laughs> and a two forced fumbles in just the game of his life. And that kept the Steelers in a game where the 49ers – ran the ball for probably eight yards of carry on the Steelers up and down the field. And obviously the Steelers roster is tremendously improved since then, but I just have a little PTSD from the 49ers matchup against the Steelers. And when you add that to the fact that their roster is so overwhelmingly talented, it's it's going to be a tough ma- matchup for literally every single team in the league. The Chiefs have to would have to be worried about the Niners. Eagles have to be worried. They're just so talented. But, man, you have to love the vibe of the Steelers who have played together all in preseason. The Niners haven't really played at all. The big starters haven't really played that much. I do think the Niners' lost, got blown out last year or early in the season. Like, it has happened before. And additionally, what I mentioned about, you know, Bosa not being there yet, Brock Purdy, uh, this, the game being an accuser, there's actually a lot that lines up for the Steelers where I actually think I will predict the Steelers' victory, like I mentioned last week on the pod, but it, it's terrifying. But hey, the Steelers can make it three years in a row, uh, knocking off a behemoth in the first week with you know Buffalo two years ago, Cincinnati last year by the skin of their teeth. Um, and uh, yeah, just huge game coming in. It would do insane wonders for the, for the confidence of this team to win this game.
1: You mentioned Brock Purdy. I'm just curious. Has he shown you enough? Or is he he's had a good outing because he wasn't scouted last year and it was preseason? What do you think the chances of the Steelers getting after him is?
0: I think the odds are high, but, I mean, they have the best left tackle, arguably, I mean, of the era, for sure, and Trent Williams. So that, that really is going to help with TJ and Highsmith. Purdy's a good player. I mean, everybody knows what it is with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's going to prop the quarterback up. And I think a lot of people don't truly realize Kyle Shanahan's history in the league. I mean, Jimmy G is not a good quarterback. (laughs) I keep hearing people say, Oh, if he can only stay healthy. I'm like, so if he can only stay healthy, we could get him in championship games where he would complete four passes in a championship game, miss wide open throws in a super. He's just, he's not good. He's just average enough to get a loaded 49ers team coached by Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs. But Kyle Shanahan, took Matt Schaub in Houston and he made him a pro bowl quarterback the instant he left Matt Schaub broke every interception record there was then he went to Cleveland and had that one year with Pettin and Brian Hoyer was pr- playing at a pro bowl level then he did RG3 his rookie year in Washington where he won rookie of the year so on and so forth then he went and turned Matt Ryan into an MVP Matt Ryan obviously always a good quarterback not an MVP the year he leaves Atlanta, they return, I believe, every single player on their offense from that same Super Bowl losing offense, but they were the eighth-ranked offense in league history. But they just lose Kyle Shanahan, and the next year, their pedestrian offense. No injuries. They had everyone playing. Matt Ryan threw 20 touchdowns that next year. So you show how we can elevate people. Brock Purdy is that to me. Like, I I think that there will be a battle potentially between him and Sam Darnold if Darnold gets enough time uh, out there starting, if, if Purdy were have to, you know, if he needed to miss time, because that's kind of my measure. It's like, as long as you're okay, Shanahan will make you really good, and Purdy clearly is okay. He has some, some. Athletic, he's like, Brock Purdy's a poor man's Kenny Pickett, almost. He's a little bit smaller. He's like, yeah, you can make some plays, not a huge arm, but he's, he's got the moxie and stuff like that. I think Kenny's more talented. But yeah, Brock Purdy's fine. It's almost irrelevant who the quarterback is. It's just like, Hey, he's, he's pretty good. And he's not a fourth stringer. So he's going to have some problems, but the Steelers always get after you early in the season. So I would be surprised if the Steelers did not
1: Would you talk about the rest of the offense and start with George Kittle? I just read a, somebody who's projected him to go over a thousand yards this season.
0: So here's how we can make it clear to people, the talent level of the 49ers. You start with George Kittle, George Kittle's an all-time NFL tight end. He's one of the very rare ones who is an elite blocker, let alone the fact that he's probably the fastest tight end. His run after catch is unbelievable, and his hands are incredible, blah, blah, blah. He, amazing leader, great personality. So you got George Kittle. If he keeps it up, you know, hopefully the guy stays healthy. He's a Hall of Fame tight end, first ballot. Then you got Debo Samuel. Same thing. He's like a Tyree Kill type of player. Uh, elite, elite, all-pro receiver. One of the best ball carriers in the league. The guy, as many people know, he played running back at points for them last year. That is not normal for a wide receiver. The guy is just so strong and so fast. He's got great hands as well. We actually scouted him for the podcast years ago, and he's uncoverable. Their second receiver, who's a top 10 or top 15 pick, Brandon Ayuk, he is one of those one of those players who's... In, Oh, just overshadowed because the guys above him are just so incredibly famous. Ayuk is unbelievable. He's the same type of receiver as Debo Samuel. Steelers don't have a single player who can cover him. He's incredibly fast. He's incredibly strong can get downfield. You're talking about those three guys. That's probably the best receiver-receiver tight end combo in the league. And the name of the game for all those guys who are in the prime of their career is speed. Speed and strength. These aren't little guys running around like – They are running 4-3. You know, Kittle, tight end, not quite 4-3. But they're also breaking tackles. And luckily, it ends there. Oh, wait. No, it doesn't. Because their running back is Christian McCaffrey. We all know who Christian McCaffrey is. He's the same type of player. And then their fullback is Juszczyk, the fastest, best ball-carrying, receiving fullback in the past 20 years. No competition. And so these guys are interchangeable almost if you notice like I mentioned these receivers are almost like running backs even the tight end is and then we know Christian McCaffrey as a running back is almost like a receiver he's a legitimate slot threat same thing with Kyle Juszczyk the fullback so they can almost play this positionless fullback or positionless offense thing because you have the most creative misdirection game uh you know play caller in Kyle Shanahan and Yeah, there's just too much speed. There it's not just the Steelers who don't have enough to match up with those guys. No team has enough to match up with those guys, especially with the coordinator. And also when it comes to the 49ers, that's why they're so fun to watch. Like I can't remember another run first team that is actively fun, explosive, and exciting to watch. And me listing that personnel when you combine them with the play caller is the reason why. These guys are just put the ball in their hands and they can do crazy things. So an incredible group of skilled players. And then all of all those guys, even including Nick Bosa, everybody I mentioned, they're not even the best player on the team. Anybody, any player on the 49ers will tell you, Trent Williams, the left tackle, who will go in motion sometimes and crack back block. He'll lead block. He could catch passes. He's the best player on the team. So even their linemen are out of this world. I'm not totally familiar with the rest of their line, but I know that the Steelers... We'll have a good matchup against them, and and honestly, almost no line in the NFL will have a good matchup on the Steelers because just the depth and the star power along the Steelers' offensive or defensive line. So it should be a great matchup uh, from that angle. But the Steelers won't play a, a skill group like this the rest of the year, include and that includes Cincinnati.
1: And so, would you give the uh, would you give the nod to the Niners in the matchup?
0: I do. Yeah, I do just because Kyle Shannon, like, he's automatic. He he killed Mike Tomlin in the last matchup. But to be fair, Mike Tomlin's team is significantly more talented now. So I I give them the advantage in the sense of I do give the 49ers the advantage in every single NFL game versus any other team. The only other teams that would have a better matchup than the Steelers, because the Steelers will be at the top of the list of, hey, there's only a few teams that, have the pure talent and defensive creativity that Tomlin and Austin offer to, to even give the 49ers a problem. And the Steelers are one of those teams. The only other teams that'll give the Niners more problems are their divisional opponents like the Seahawks who, well, that's really the, only, the other two division opponents suck right now, but traditionally Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks can deal with Kyle Shanahan a little bit better just because they're so used to it. But the Steelers aren't outclassed here. Like the Steelers have some guys who can get out there and play against the Niners. But like we said on the podcast repeatedly, it's an offensive era. There's not another team in the entire league that can truly match up with the Niners. But I like the fact that the Steelers have played a lot in the preseason and they played great. The Steelers have a swagger about them and an aggression. They don't have their best player holding out this year. And the Steelers have been very, very good in week one over the years. And the Steelers also do very poorly on the West Coast. Well, guess what? It's a cross-country trip for the Niners. So I do think by the end of this, and I do think, there's no doubt, T.J. Watt's going to get Brock Purdy at a certain point. And for all of the incredible work that Kyle Shanahan does with the horizontal game and the run game, and the run game for him turns into explosive pass plays and play action where <laughs> the play action is so good for Kyle Shanahan, it, it will shock you how open their players will be, and then they'll catch it and run for a touchdown. For all that, he doesn't really do much in the drop-back-pass game. And that, to me, we've said on the podcast, that's always been the Steelers' biggest problem. A really sophisticated drop-back-passing game with a veteran star quarterback. That's why Brady and Breeze always gave the Steelers the most trouble, whereas they did surprisingly well against some some of the other guys. So I'm saying all this to just paint the picture of like the 49ers are spectacular. If they can stay healthy, they're a Super Bowl team. It's them or the Eagles. And even with that, the Steelers have horses to be able to deal with it, and they're going to hit Purdy, and that's going to be tricky.
1: A key is the defensive lines rush. Do you think this is going to this is going to highly stress our linebackers?
0: Especially, yeah, Joe. it'll. Yeah, exactly. No one can cover. I mean, we'll see what the Steelers do because, unfortunately. With Ayuk and Debo on the outside and Christian McCaffrey, you can't just commit everything to stopping Kittle. So the Niners are going to get their yards. I think we're going to see a a very modern Steelers approach, and what I mean by that is the Steelers are trying to trying to mess stuff up. I'll say PG here. They're. It, gone are the days where the Steelers would go 24 games without allowing a 100-yard rusher. You just, it's just not really how the NFL works anymore. What the Steelers do now, splash plays, sacks, and turnovers. I think they were a little down in interceptions last year, but you know TJ will be back this year. So the Niners are going to get their yards. But with Kyle Shanahan not having an awesome drop-back pass game, and I do like Brock Purdy. I think he's a really solid quarterback. Of course, I, I think if you put him on any other team in the NFL – the odds of him succeeding are not high, but I think that if you put him on Kyle Shanahan's team, he could be awesome. Or if you maybe Sean McVay, he could be really good with someone like that. But um, with all that in mind, Guy hasn't played that much, and he's going to play the best pass rush in the NFL. So even though the Niners are going to get their yards, if the Steelers can create enough splash plays and they win the turnover battle, then that's where I think the game will be won. And I know that's cliche. Everyone always says you win the turnover battle, but I I don't think so. I think it's a little bit more of a specific insight because you're going to watch the Steelers give up yardage. Like you said, the linebackers are going to be stressed with Kittle. They're not just going to be stressed with Kittle. Like they got, it's a horizontally running team with the 49ers. The Steelers linebackers are so much better than they've been the past years, but there's only a few guys in the league who can really run side to side with Debo and Christian McCaffrey. So the Niners are going to get yards, but it could get ruined with the TJ Watts strip sack or a Minka Fitzpatrick interception. And I think that we, we stand as it's going to happen. The Steelers are going to get a turnover or two in this game and they got to scare Brock Purdy. They got to scare him. Just cough on his elbow, give give him COVID to the elbow. I don't know.
1: San Francisco only had nine interceptions, four of those from from Garoppolo and four from Purdy, and they only had three lost fumbles. Let's, Let's cross our fingers that the Steelers can
0: generate those turnovers. Wow. That's incredible. I had no idea about those numbers. That does make sense because, like I said, they're a running team. They're a weird, exciting run team that can also do incredible work in the screen game, so they don't give a lot of opportunities for interceptions. The fumble thing is crazy. That's lucky They're You're not going to go two years in a row with that number, but um, well, they had, they, they just they don't give you many opportunities. Fumbles. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, yeah. That's a fumble. Luck is a big part of everybody's season. Uh, it's an a shape ball. You don't know how it bounces. It's not really an effort or a talent thing. It, that is luck. And that's where a lot of this NFL season is going to get decided with the AFC being more competitive than any division ever. Any conference has been. And, 20, 30, 40 years, right? And that's what I've been talking about in terms of with with P Butch. We've been talking about it. Who's going to come out of the AFC? There's no way to figure it out. And I really do think that it's just going to come down to injury luck, who's injured at what time, and then referee luck. And fumble luck is part of that. So um, yeah, it's gonna be tough to get turnovers from the Niners, but I just think that the Steelers defense. I know we got some safety corner and linebacker you know holes here and there, nothing horrible. I think the Steelers' defense is going to create some havoc this year, and I think they've been very good at that overall in the past four years, very consistent in taking the ball away, even though there might be a dip here or there.
1: So there is no doubt the Steelers are going to have to score their own points. Assuming um, Nick Bosa is not in the game, they're still a formidable defense.
0: Yeah, even if he's not in the game, they just signed this, um, I wouldn't even say on the rise, the star defensive tackle named Javon Hargrave. So that guy's pretty good. They still got Eric Armstead. They just signed Cleveland Farrell, even, you know, a fifth pick, famously overdrafted fifth pick in the draft, but still a talented guy. Um, they got waves. The 49ers are king at that Eagles and 49ers are the Kings of having the waves of defensive line and keep your fingers crossed. looks like the Steelmen have a chance to enter that conversation this year, which is great. Uh, but yeah, their, their line is deep. It's explosive. I, it does sound like Bosa will get the deal done. By the way, it reminds me of TJ. TJ got the deal done the day before the season started, I believe. And the year before that cam Hayward got the deal done the day before the season started. So I think Bosa will as well, and I think he sh- he still should be pretty good. But I, I don't care who you are. Like if you haven't played at all, then you know hopefully it's hot in Pittsburgh that day and he misses some snaps. But even without him, they have so much to work with, and then they have the best middle linebacking core in the league. That, that is a San Francisco tradition <laughs> with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. They have freakazoids. And damn it, we covered Fred Warner in the draft too. We took Devin, traded up for Devin Bush instead. But those guys are absolute sideline to sideline freaks. They're what we wished Devin Bush was. They are Devin Bush with anger, aggression, and processing skills. They're incredibly fast. They can cover down the middle. They hit. They're great leaders. They're awesome. And then they got baby Troy at safety, a Funga. So – I believe did he go to Utah or USA? I think he went to Utah, but anyways, uh, Polynesian Samoan descent. Funga he just had a conversation on a podcast where he was semi mentored by a former NFL player who was like one of the first Polynesian players in the NFL, and the guy was asking him, Funga like, "Hey, what are you what are you trying to work on? Is there anybody that you particularly idolize in the NFL that you want to emulate?" And Funga told him. Troy Polamalu has always been the guy. I play safety, you know, Polynesian, Samoan, so on and so forth. You know, that's the guy I've always tried to emulate: fast, explosive, thick, hard-hitting. You know, quick guy. And this mentor, who I'm blanking on his name, he said, "All right, no Troy. Let me put you in contact." And so Funga talks to Troy, and Troy said, "All right, there's a few things that you're gonna have to. There's a few things that you're gonna have to do if you want to become a great safety in the NFL." And the first thing starts with your personality. And basically he told him, Hey, you just can't have social media in college and X, Y, Z, you work on this off the field stuff. Of course, it's very Troy like, and to Hafunga's credit, which is going to make all Steelers fans love him. Cause he, you know, the interview is fun. You are just going to see him show a lot of admiration for Troy. Troy tells him you can't have social media in college. And the guy does it. No social media, no apps, nothing in college. This guy's an old school man. And, he plays like a baby Troy. It, he's all over the field, in the box, out of the box. And just once again, if you can hear one theme about this 49ers team is they're so fast. But they're fast and muscly. They're fast and strong. It's a very rare combination to have that level of speed with all these guys without being undersized. So just look at the lists that I just gave you on offense and defense. And they, they lost a great... Defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan's, but hey, they had a great defensive coordinator before that, and Robert Salah, and they've been fine. And who did they get in place of him? They got, um, oh, I'm blanking right now. Is the Cardinals head Steve Wilkes? So just that's the other piece that I'm crossing my finger about. Fingers about is like Steve Wilkes is a great defensive coordinator, but this is his first game. So if there's any time to strike against the 49ers for the Steelers, it's now.
1: Right now, offensively, kind of all potential. I mean, we had great signs of positive signs last season of an uptick, but it really depends on Kenny. And we've been talking all preseason, even before we started repodcasting about the offensive potential. Well, how many I'll just let you know that I saw that the line is 41 points between the two teams. What do you where do you think the score is going to get and how many points are the Steelers going to have to score?
0: It feels impossible to predict it, right? Because we've just seen four years straight, five years straight, of the Steelers struggling to get to frickin' 20 points. And then we watched the Arsenal get loaded. And then we watched them play out of their minds in the preseason. So I am going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say I think that the Steelers can, let's see, I think that they could be like, I imagine two touchdowns and three field goals or something like that. And then if they can get lucky out, if they can get a defensive play, like if whether they, or Calvin Austin returns a big kick or punt, maybe that will be the, the difference in being able to score three touchdowns. It's, it's hard for me to imagine them scoring three full scoring drives in a game, especially against a, a bona fide Super Bowl machine in the Niners. So what's that? I, I guess that they could get to like 23 and they'd have to win like 23, 20 would be my, my imagination or 23, 24. Maybe they could do that. Um, but here's what I think. It's you're right. It's all potential, but the Niners don't have corners that can that can cover Pickens and Deontay. That is very favorable. The Niners will will do well against the Steelers run game. So the Steelers gotta put their money where their mouth is, the way that they did in the preseason, and they need to go downfield. And I don't think that the Steelers drop back passing game can hold up against the 49ers the way that the 49ers could hold up against the Steelers by virtue of them having an all-star tackle who could you know handle uh T.J.R. Highsmith or whatever it may be but um you know that's why that Nick, Nick Bosa injury or not injury excuse me the holdout is such a massive part of all this but um I don't know how the Steelers are going to get a downfield, but they can't just do the run, run, pass. Or let me, let me rephrase that. Screen pass. Okay, second 11, we're going to hand it up the middle, and then we're going to drop back when the 49ers, with all their speed and talent, know that the Steelers are going to pass. Like, that's going to be t- tr- tricky. They have to game plan some shots early, because if the Steelers do that, they, they should really like that matchup. That'll be really good. But you know, they got some, t- they got some middle linebackers and safeties who can stick with Friermuth. They don't have outside corners who can stick with Deontay and picking. so that's very desirable to exploit that
1: do you think that the given what you talked about their their linebackers it takes away jet sweep or anything like that
0: yeah i think that the 49ers are particularly well suited to to play sideline to sideline their offense is the same as their defense it's just crazy speed it's very difficult to try to play them horizontally with little trick and dick stuff like calvin austin you know scram like running around the edge. And even Kenny Pickett could have some little trouble, you know, if he wants to scramble and bail out to the sidelines, like he can get that. You can get that in in any game, but at a certain point, they got linebackers and edge rushers who can catch him. So he's going to need to be good the way he was in the preseason about sort of scrambling in the pocket and then being aggressive and throwing it downfield. The Steelers need to complete some intermediate or deep passes in the first quarter. Like you need to get it early, so that you can open up the rest of the field for some of the other stuff. Because otherwise, it, I, it's not like the, the Niners will actually absolutely shut the Steelers down. I think the talent level in Pittsburgh is getting to the point where, hey, if they really wanted to commit to just pounding the ball in there like a bunch of idiots, it, it wouldn't be that successful. But I think that eventually they would be able to start moving the ball. You just don't want it to be too little too late. But when you're playing against the Niners, you've you got to open it up. By hitting some deep stuff early. And if you do that, then I'll be really curious to see how the 49ers defense deals with like a junior version of what the 49ers have on offense. Because if we were a 49ers podcast right now and you really knew the Steelers, you would say, like, look, they have a number one receiver in Deontay Johnson, who's the top elite route runner in the league. We don't have a corner who can cover him. Obviously, everybody knows about this George Pickens guy we don't have a corner who's going to be able to come down with the ball against him either. They got two running backs, one super powerful guy, yada, yada, yada. They got two tight ends. So if you're in San Francisco, you'd be given sort of a similar uh, report. The only difference is, you know, in Pittsburgh, these guys aren't 4-3.
1: These games are going to come down to the stakes, interceptions, fumbles, penalties, i.e. officiating. The other thing, oddly, that I read about the the Niners, it could be special teams. You know, they have a rookie kicker who's – who's been a little shaky in preseason and now he has a quadriceps injury.
0: That's huge. And if you remember last year, the Bengals game was decided by special teams. McPherson missed one or two kicks. The last one, you know, being that incredibly incredible block kick blocked kick that Minka had in in, uh, overtime or right at the end of the fourth quarter or whatever it was. But you're right. That's a huge piece of the game. And can Calvin Austin break one? He's been breaking them left and right in preseason. So, That is where it will be decided. And like I said, that's sometimes cliche football analysis, but it's not in this sense. Like, think of the Killer B years. There are not many games where we were like, oh, it's going to be decided on special teams. It was like, it's going to be decided if Ben throws for 400. Or like, we know this team can't stop Le'Veon if you just run the same play 10 times in a row like they did against the Dolphins in the wildcard playoff game. This is more like, hey, you are playing a just otherworldly talented team on both sides of the ball, but you have a lot of talent yourself. Special teams can make a huge difference. I don't see the Steelers being ready week one to just march up and down the field the way that they did in the preseason. And if I'm wrong about that, I will be the happiest person on the earth. I'm not even saying that as like a negative against the Steelers. I just, the 49ers are a spectacular team. So those margins are uh, where a lot of the bones will be made and rookie kicker being on the road or well you know struggling kicker that's a, that's a big plus for the Steelers so good point to bring up there
1: the other the other part of uh, special teams is they'll also be a rookie will be returning kicks punts and kickoffs because Ray Ray McLeod is out and they'll be substituting Ronnie Bell for him
0: I'd love to say, Hey, what are we going to do against Ray Ray McLeod? Oh no, but he's played pretty well for them. So yeah, good point. Another rookie Steelers have a definitive edge in the special teams department. And I'll just be really curious to see some of these rookies and young players. I don't know if Herbig's playing special teams for the Steelers. I would assume he is, but I'd be really curious to see what the Steelers coverage units can do this year, because it feels like with how deep the Steelers are, they could have some elite coverage units as well. So yeah, good point. You bringing that up. Like, Look, the the 49ers' offense is better and more talented, but the the Steelers' defense that they're playing against, it's very good. It, it's, it definitely stands a puncher's chance. Same thing goes for the other side of the ball. Okay, the 49ers' defense is ridiculous, but the Steelers, they've got a lot of things for the 49ers to worry about as well. So you might give the 49ers you, – you give the 49ers the edge on both of those departments, and then you give them in a the third department in terms of having continuity – like The 49ers have had this team for years. They're going to hit the ground running. This feels like a new team for the Steelers. Great. But you look at that third phase of the game, special teams, pretty definitively, the Steelers have the advantage on both sides of special teams. So that's huge. Yeah, so
1: let's hope the Steelers can keep it close. And as for my part, let me just uh, talk about my commitment to the Steelers this year. We're putting our money where our mouth is. I am choosing the Steelers to win the AFC North. And... I'm choosing the Steelers, number one, and Ravens, number two. And if I win both of those bets, we're done. We can retire. Shut down the podcast and go to Bermuda.
0: Well, they're idiots for giving us those odds, because I think the Steelmen has, have as good a uh, chance as anyone of winning the North.
1: So the line on the number of wins this season is eight and a half.
0: Yeah, that's probably appropriate. I think you'd be surprised if you look at the over-unders for a lot of teams. It's the best AFC or NFC. It's the best conference probably in the history of football. In the Steelers division alone, they have three MVP quarterbacks. I know Watson hasn't won an MVP, but he probably would have won MVP his rookie year if he had uh, you know, continued playing. So that's just in the Steelers division, let alone how loaded the rest of the thing is. So I understand it. It's cool. Uh, But I guess eight and a half implies that the Steelers would have a losing record. That's hard to see. Um, And I know that you and I feel confident that the Steelers have a great shot at going above that. So easy money. Take it. All right. So you entered
1: this podcast with a prediction that the Steelers will win. Still, you're maintaining that?
0: I am going to maintain it. I think that once again, just to sum it up, the 49ers are a better team. If you're a Steelers fan, don't get insulted by that. That's okay. There are teams that are better than the Steelers right now. The Steelers are on the rise. This is great. But the 49ers, it's just not even a discussion. They're a spectacular and loaded team. They traded like the two first-round draft picks and swapped another to trade up for a quarterback in the top three that they've already traded off the team, and they're still in a Super Bowl window. That's how much they've had to work with. They're, they're an awesome team, and so that – you know, if this were in the middle of the season and everything were equal, I'd say, look, this is this is probably going to be a loss for the Steelers, but I'll be really curious to see how close they can make it and how they can look. Because the 49ers are farther along in their lifespan as a team. If the, the Steelers, they're playing in the middle of the season, they could lose to the Niners, but play very well. It could be a huge growing moment. It could be a catalyst to something else. And that's okay. But with the fact that the Steelers have played so well in preseason and they've played a lot and they had a physical camp. I think the Steelers are probably a little bit farther into revving up the engine than the Niners might be at this point. You add that to the fact that the Steelers are at home and it's a cross country road game for the Niners. That's big. And then you had the Steelers' success in week ones recently and you had the holdout of Nick Bosa and the fact that this is Brock Purdy's first game back from an elbow surgery that was supposed to keep him out. I don't know, definitely later than week one. So he looked great in the preseason, but he's back early and he is going to get hit by TJ Watt at some point, Alex Smith, Cam Hayward, the, all of those little factors. When you combine that with the fact that Mike Tomlin, his specialty is getting the Steelers up for big games with their underdogs. And they're only. Two and a half point underdogs, which shows you, you know, the public's come around the Steelers. But I do think the Steelers will squeak out a win here and take the momentum from the preseason. And, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch fire if the Steelers can win this game. But I think that they'll win, you know, by a point or so. Awesome.
1: Hit us up on X at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye-bye.